1: People get ready to explore in a way you never have before with the Defender 110. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design, a reimagined exterior, a robust interior, a superior off-road capability. The Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. It has powerful innovations like intuitive driver display. Whether you're headed to uncharted territory or just a weekend of exploration, the Defender 110 is up to the challenge. Push what's possible with a vehicle made to go further the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Hey, look, I'm sure you take a lot of vitamins. Maybe you take a daily multivitamin. Maybe you take ones to boost your immunity or ones to help with alertness. What about your cells? Are you giving your cells the full nutrition they need, especially as we age? I am, thanks to Solgar. Solgar is part of my daily routine, thanks to their cellular nutrition line. Give yourself a daily collection of nutrients designed to help fight cellular decline and promote cell health. Visit CellularNutrition.SoulGuard.com to learn more and use promo code Mark Maron, all one word, to get 20% off. Lock the gate! All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Maron. This is my podcast. It's Monday it's monday and uh i'm a little uh i'm surprised i'm not more freaked out but i'm a little i'm a little freaked out that i may spiral into uh darkness for for a pretty simple reason so here's what happens you know what i let, let me tell you who's on the show how, how would that be all right john crier is here he's back on uh primetime network TV with a new show called extended family. He's the guy who everyone knows across multiple generations from the Brat Pack movies, from his stage work and from two and a half men. He's like been in show business forever. He's a a lifer. He's been working in show business for like, since he was a a little kid, a life in show business. John Cryer uh, came over. Nice guy. Nice to meet him. Good talk. So, look, I uh, on Saturday, I went to San Diego. Now I was going to take the train down. But uh, the rains caused a mudslide of some kind, knocked out the tracks. I was looking forward to the train. So then I had to drive. Driving to San Diego is not great. It always takes a lot longer than you think from L.A. Should be about two hours. It's usually three or four hours. And I was dreading it but I still had the morning open and I wasn't going to work out. I was not going to work out even though I work out compulsively, which is which is part of the problem that's upon me. I was doing the exercises with my trainer lady, Stephanie. I'm doing, uh, you know, step-ups and step-downs with weights. And I came down on my foot in a fucked-up way and twisted it. Twisted the foot. And not it's, it's not the Hoka sneaker problems. It's not their fault. Hoka's everyone loves them, but they got that huge foamy uh, heel. That sole is about two, two and a half inches. It feels like off the fucking ground, which is great for running. And usually it's fine. And I I don't know who to blame me. Not going to blame the sneaker. Maybe I was a little out of it, but I work out constantly. So eventually you're going to, you're going to get, you're going to get fucked up. I always thought it would be up on that mountain. I thought I'd go tumbling down. thought I'd break a leg thought I'd break a head thought I'd break a collarbone who the fuck knows a hip I thought I'd go tumbling down that mountain I thought about it all the fucking time the only injury I've ever had working out is when I smashed my finger between two weights and it got purple and the nail fell off that's gross but I can still do do the business so I twist my foot now, it's not my ankle. It's the side of my foot down by my toe. And I swear to God, I came down on it. And I heard something pop. But I took the shoe off there in the gym. I elevated it and uh, decided to finish a workout. Because, you know, it's like war, people. It's like a battlefield. You know, my trainer was like, yeah, it's probably okay. It's probably a sprain. Some guy, Ukrainian guy who's always working out in the gym with the, doing the MMA stuff he came over and said, be tough, be, you know, be strong, whatever, like uh, Eastern European sentiment, suck it up, suck it up, you pansy, you old man, but I did, I did suck it up, but then it always reminds me of those movies where the guy's, you know, gurgling blood and his intestines are hanging out and people are standing over him going, you guys, you're all right, man, it's going to be all right, you're fine, dude, just people who don't know tell me I'm fine and I want to be fine, you want to be fine obviously I was not on a battlefield, but I did. I don't know if it's a man thing or a stubborn thing or what. It's like, fuck it. I'm going to finish a workout. So I finished a workout. I wasn't even supposed to work out that day, but now I got to go to San Diego and I hurt my foot and it started to swell up and it's not great. And I have time to go to the urgent care and I have time to go to the hospital because I didn't want to get fucked up. Cause I thought, well, if they got to, if they got to put a cast on this thing or whatever they got to do, it's going to take a couple hours and I got to be on the road. And I'm okay. I'm okay. I drove to San Diego. And I'm hobbled. I'm limping. But I'm like, it's a sprain. I'll be all right, man. I'm limping on stage. Two shows. Had to give people the heads up before I got out there so I didn't freak out. I guess I could have handled it when I got out there. But I'm hobbling around. I can't put weight on it, really. On the right side of it, anyways. The left side's fine. The ankle's fine. Everything's fine. But this right side of my foot, which is now swollen as fuck. I'm icing it in between shows before the show's doing the shows go back to the hotel and then i go to the urgent care i drive up first thing in the morning i go to this urgent care that i i go to solace solace health and uh they take uh x-rays it's fucking broken i broke my fucking foot what the fuck am i gonna do now again i i don't see myself as a victim i'm not freaking out there is part of me that's like you why'd you you weren't even supposed to work out, you idiot. But that kind of shit, that woulda, coulda, shoulda, beating myself up for something that is there's no bigger waste of time than that thing. And I've got a lot of different I've got a lot of varieties of beating the shit out of myself going on almost all times. And I just do not waste time with that one. They're like, well, if I only didn't, if I did this, why didn't I do that? I, I never do that one because it really seems ridiculous. And not a refined way to beat the shit out of yourself. Because there's nothing you can do about that one. You know, why not focus on things? <laughs> I just, there's a whole spectrum of, of beating the shit out of myself. That ain't one of them. But now I got a boot on and I don't know what's going to happen. I got to go to the doc today. Orthopedic. Hope my plan holds up to see this guy. But apparently the the urgent care sent the images to this doc a foot guy, he saw him and said, "Well, you can just you know put the boot on. You're all right to walk out of there." So maybe that means you won't have to set it. I don't know. The docket, the urgent care was like, you know, this this kind of break, it go either way. You might have to dig in there, might have to cut the foot open. My biggest fear is getting your foot cut open. I got two big toes that are fucked. I don't even know why. I don't know if it's arthritis or bone spurs or a bunion, but they've got knobs on the sides of them. And I, they hurt sometimes, but I'm not, I just won't deal with it. I'll live with it because I, I don't want my foot to be cut open because you never know if that's going come to out, come out right. No, but now, like, all right, I'm, not, I'm trying not to freak out. The bigger problems. This could have been worse. Could have broke my leg. Could have broke my ankle. Could have got cancer. It's a million things. Again, not feeling sorry for myself, just a little concerned about my mental health. Now, I got this boot on, and I can function. I can even drive with it, which is good. And I'm just hoping that today I find out that, you know, we'll just do that. But still, could be weeks, could be months for this fucking bone to heal. And how am I not going to exercise? I exercise like five or six times a week. I could lose my fucking mind, people. I got to figure out a way. Is there some sort of... I remember that there were machines at the gym once where you just used your arms, almost kind of like this, uh, this sort of uh, weighted flailing or <laughs> this kind of like... Uh, This is almost like swimming, but I haven't seen one of those around in a while. I guess I'll figure it out. Maybe this is a sign, an indicator. Stay off the mountain, get on the bike. You held your knees together this long. Don't fuck them up. But now I got a fucking broken foot. God damn it. A broken foot and I can't get sedentary. I can't get strung out on on OxyContin. I'm not in that much pain. I didn't get any painkillers. Relax. Did a little ibuprofen it's, if I'm not walking on the thing, it doesn't really hurt, and even with the boot, I don't really feel it. God, I just hope I don't have to get surgery. Find out today. More will be revealed, as they say, in the uh, recovery racket. But uh, I don't know, man. I don't, the sedentary thing—if like my brain atrophies into some sort, of, like I'll just get my my brain will get itchy in my head. My being will get itchy in my body. You know? Oh my God. I just got to suck it up. Look, I'm an athlete, right? I'm, a, I'm an athlete. And sometimes there are injuries. You get through it, you heal, and then you, you, you come back and you get back into shape. Got to stay in that mindset so I don't lose my mind. Oh, my God. So I'll be limping at the Castro Theater with a boot on my foot, most likely, in San Francisco this Saturday. That's sold out. Portland, Maine, I'll be limping at the State Theater on Thursday, March 7th, limping in Medford, Massachusetts at the Chevalier Theater on Friday, March 8th. I'll be uh, hobbling around at, uh, in Providence, Rhode Island at the Strand Theater on Saturday, March 9th. Uh, trying to walk in Terrytown, New York at the Terrytown Music Hall on Sunday, March 10th. Atlanta, Georgia, I'm at the Buckhead Theater on Friday, March 22nd. Maybe I'll feel better by then. Maybe I'll be walking a little better. God damn it. I'm in Madison, Wisconsin at the Barrymore Theater on Wednesday, April 3rd. Milwaukee, Wisconsin at the Turner Hall Ballroom on Thursday, April 4th. Chicago at the Vic Theater on Friday, April 5th. Minneapolis at the Pantages Theater on Saturday, April 6th. Austin, Texas at the Paramount Theater on Thursday, April 18th as part of the Moon Tower Comedy Festival. And I've got shows coming up later in the year at. Uh, uh, in Montclair, New Jersey, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Detroit, Charleston, South Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, Durham, North Carolina, Vancouver, and Seattle. Probably book more in the fall if you haven't heard your city. Go to wtfpod.com slash tour for tickets. Oh, my God. What a drag. I'm, I, maybe I'm in mild shock because maybe, maybe I need a rest. How about that spin? Hey, man, maybe you're... 60 year old beat up body needs a little time in general, a little solid recovery time. Maybe you should do some reading, do some writing, do some thinking, do some guitar playing, just do it more than you usually do. Catch up on some movies. I started uh, watching Fargo. Uh, Cause people talk about it in a very positive way. I, wa- I haven't watched any of it. I'm almost done with season one. I can barely take it. That kind of stuff. It's like, how's it going to, f- how do we fix this? There's a lot of people dead. Oh, my God. Another twist. I guess I have to learn how to consider that entertaining as opposed to just anxiety inducing. I want the closure after a certain point. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. But how are we going to get this guy? God damn it. I called my dad, my recently demented father, who was an orthopedic surgeon. It's kind of fascinating, you know. As the rest of the brain goes, you start talking doctor shit to him. He's he's on it, like like he's like when I was a kid with this before. I didn't tell tell him it was broken yet, but he was uh, you know he he just kind of talked the talk. Well, you check it out. Maybe you got a sprain. You don't know. You see doctors are gonna. They're not gonna know. And you do what you got to do. Yada yada. But he did some serious doctor talking. Pretty impressive. And this this is the guy that broke my leg twice. My father, the orthopod, tightened my Cubco bindings too tight when I was in fourth grade and I fell down and had a spiral fracture. And they drove me home in the back of a blazer in the back back because we had other people in the car. Laid me out in the very back, like by, you know, where the gate opens in the back by the tire bouncing down the mountain in a fucking wooden splint with a spiral fracture on my right tibia. Horrendous. Had a cast up to my balls for months, then another cast below my knee for months, and I kept fucking up. These were plaster casts, back-in-the-day casts. Then my dad ran over my foot when I was getting out of a car, squashed my ankle, both on the right foot. Now I've got this broken bone in my foot on the right. He had nothing to do with it. I did this all by myself. Oh, but all that uh, aside, the shows were good up there at the uh, Observatory North, which is a strange carnival like venue, apparently one of the first sound movie theaters. But oddly, the sound is a little, little hollow in there. Kind of, you know, you feel a little distance from it. It goes right up to the top. I guess back in the day, you know, movies were just, they weren't worried about acoustics. It was about the spectacle. And they just considered like, well, it's amplified. We're not playing music in here. And uh, ceilings are very high. But uh, you get the hang of it. I remember it from last year, I was there with Pavitsky. This uh, this time I was there with uh, Taylor, Taylor Williamson. He did good. See, he's going to go up to San Francisco with me as well. Looking forward to San Francisco. Looking forward to being there, seeing what's up. I live there. It a fairly influential place for me. Going to do that screening of McCabe and Mrs. Miller on Sunday at the Roxy. Going to go up on Friday. Maybe have something to eat with my buddy Jack. Take a couple days in SF. We'll see. All right, so look. That's what's going on. Broken foot. We'll see how that affects my sanity. Maybe you'll hear me in a couple weeks just be like, I don't know, you guys. I'm losing my will to to, to press on. Been on the couch too long. Elevated. Ice packs, sanity, I'm breaking, I'm breaking. Okay, so our next guest, hope it doesn't come to that. We'll see. All right, so John Cryer came to my house. Uh, His new show, Extended Family, airs Tuesday nights on NBC and the next day on Peacock. And we had a lovely chat, and I'll, I'll, I'll present it to you now.
0: Hey, hey, it's Kip Bodner, CMO of HubSpot. Join me and my co-host, Kieran Flanagan, CMO over at Zapier on marketing against a grain. We're not the typical regurgitated Twitter threads. These are takes from us, marketing leaders about what we're doing and what we're learning from our peers and what's working in the market and how you can apply them to your business. Everything you need to grow a modern business and have a strategy that is fit for growth in today's changing economy. Listen to our podcast, Marketing Against the Grain, wherever you get your podcasts. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much.
1: John Cryer, a life in Hello. show business, a yes. life
0: in show business. That's where you're at now. That's where I'm at now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it has been a, a fair amount of that, that there show business. Isn't that crazy? That you referred to It is crazy, I, but, but I, never, I never wanted anything else. Right. Uh, I, well, you were young, but mm-hmm. it's
1: weird when you get to a, a certain age, which I'm at and you're approaching... What are you, like 57?
0: I am 58, yes. 58. So I'm, I just yeah. turned
1: 60, and I, I do not have the profile that you have, but I've, I've, I have a life in show business. You have a life.
0: <laughs> I would argue, in many ways, you have, you have a different profile. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, I think you have enormous respect uh, yeah, in the industry, uh, you are. You are. Uh, people speak of you uh, reverently. Uh, that you scares me that. because you know <laughs> how, how quickly that can go away. Uh huh. <laughs> it was uh, just enjoy but, it now, man. What, one wrong move, <laughs> exactly. And a lifetime is worth the respect. <laughs> Down in the, the garbage. <laughs> I uh,
1: yeah, I mean it, it's kind of astounding uh, because of everything at the at the level you've been working though. It, it, just the the changes that have happened, it's crazy.
0: It's crazy, uh, and I do – I actually had one of those great old-time geezer conversations with a, a, a guy named Peter Roth, who used to be the president of uh, Warner Brothers right, Television. Right, right. And he's kind of a revered yeah. guy in the he's business. He's doing a podcast? Uh, he is not doing <laughs> no. <laughs> a podcast. He should, actually, because he knows everybody. Yeah. He's done this forever, and he was wildly successful yeah. in that job. Yeah. And he also was famous because he uh, he maintained good relationships with talent, yeah. uh, even though he very often had to say, I'm sorry, we're canceling your show. But he didn't you say- no, yeah, you
1: fucking asshole. No, right. he didn't. He did <laughs> yeah. uh, But occasionally
0: he did. Uh, usually that was when he was negotiating contracts right. and such. But he, but he managed to walk an interesting tightrope because he, uh, he still retained a remarkable amount of goodwill, even though he could be a, a very fierce negotiator and and uh, and you know he and he cranked out hits yeah, at, sure. at Warner Brothers. God bless him. Um, but but we were talking about did he produce uh, your show? Yes, yes. Uh, Two and a Half Men oh, happened he okay, uh, right. while he was there, yeah. and also I did a couple of shows at Fox when he was at. Fox, so long, uh, um, long, so, uh, yeah, we worked together a lot. Yeah. but we were trying to figure out what was the longest period of stability in the television industry, uh, and it was probably the three network uh, uh, period from the you know from the in, from the introduction of color television right through Fox. You know the Fox Network that so was like probably a, 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 early, mid sixties. Yeah, early 60s? yeah. So that's maybe nineteen fifteen years, something like that. But yeah. that's that was it. I mean, the, the rest of the time, this the the business of entertainment has yeah. been an incredible flux, right? Um, uh, you know, from the talkies, from the you know, yeah, from sure. black and white to. I mean, it's it, it's it's never been stable.
1: But it yeah, but it's it, it was a smaller business. Yes. So now, like, whether it's, it, I think it's hard to determine. Uh, uh stability across the board because everything's so fragmented yeah so you, you know it's weird that that mainstream show business or what you you've been living in mm-hmm. um, is is sort of this bubble. Almost.
0: There's, yeah. really, there's all these other things going on. Yes, and and we're trying sort of to stay relevant in the the wider culture. Right. But but do, does it does anybody care anymore? Does do yeah. people see movies? I mean, by the way, I loved your your Greta Gerwig oh, uh, uh, episode oh, on thanks. the podcast. Yeah. Um, uh, mostly because it just it to to, uh, to look at a, a pop cultural thing yeah. and see all the many layers yeah. that there's that, that that there's very real layers sure. to a pop cultural thing that's right and, uh, was and, uh, really impressive right. I really and the, enjoyed that one. and
1: the way it has to thank you and the way it has to sort of. You have the main layer, which is like you put it out yeah, there. This candy-coated, right.
0: lovely. But bit then of, there has to be these you know. other
1: viral layers that you have no control over, yes. and you hope they trend your way. Yes, <laughs> right. And, <laughs> and then you get that other layer of, of people seeing it. But there there seems to be a good portion of the population globally that will not see anything, No. unless they're kind of guided there by some uh, uh, hashtag or or viral momentum. Yes, because you don't even know it's out there.
0: No, because there's so much. Right, and it's also so balkanized, yes, it's all, you know, exactly. you can get every uh, you can get exactly the the little tiny slice niche thing that you want right. and you can fill your life with that yeah, and, and never see the rest of it. Sometimes that's mm-hmm. bad. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it is bad. I, I do miss the days of broadcast television when it. It it was automatically a cultural thing like, yeah. like the day after the, the, that, the that, water
1: cooler moment the, exactly that, yeah.
0: that movie was a movie that traumatized a generation sure. the post nuclear yeah, uh, movie yeah, back yeah. in the yeah. day was um, it on TV it was on TV right. my, my point being yeah. there was a time when it was incredibly culturally relevant because sure. everybody saw and it everybody you know? was
1: mm-hmm. freaked out about the same thing now everyone has a niche freak out yes
0: <laughs> <laughs> you get to
1: choose yeah. which <laughs> thing you panic over and sometimes no one knows what you're talking about about.
0: No, no, it's true, it's true. Um, but but it's interesting because now I'm doing a, a, a show on broadcast TV again. I watched it. I watched the uh, first two episodes. Oh, thank you it's for sending family. Yes, yes, thank you. And I,
1: I literally texted uh, my. And this is not meant as an insult. <laughs> I, I texted. I texted my producer. I'm like, I didn't even know they were still making shows like this.
0: <laughs> and and that was part of the intent. Oh, really? Was let's do a, a throwback, old school multicam sitcom in front of an audience, just a family show. Yeah, you. you watch Walk you know, through the door. Yes, the, the first beat it's like he's on the phone. <laughs> on, walk and through the door, the main guy. <laughs> yes, and and the first episode is literally a dead goldfish, which is just like one of the tropiest iest sure. things. But that was part of it. The fun was let's do our version of that. You yeah, know, it's uh, it's kind of the aristocrats of yeah. <laughs> of the sitcom world. Interesting. You know, we're at the very beginning of this show. I'm 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 thrilled that it it you know got sampled really well. Uh, it did. Um, yeah, yeah. How does well, that, how because does that they work? promoted it during football Okay. Which which is the only thing that that actually does have cultural impact, but, but you're, going, you're going week to week, right? Yes. yes well, yeah,
1: that has got cultural impact, and now Taylor Swift's on board. She's she's shifting the eyes again. She is. God it's, bless her. It's all her. her. She's yeah. driving the entire thing.
0: Yes. Good for her. Yeah. I, I, you got no quarrel Taylor with Swift Taylor. I will I will anything. thank her when I meet her. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, although I I met Billie Eilish. Well, I I, uh, I wanted to meet Billie Eilish, but she and close. and Phineas yeah. were standing there, and I was so terrified of. Uh, scaring her that I walked over to Phineas and said I just want you to know that you did a wonderful episode of a podcast that I listened to uh, yeah. uh, called Song Exploder yeah. and you guys did a wonderful job yeah. on that show and thank you for doing it because it meant a lot to me and and then I turned to Billy and she was ta- talking to somebody else and I was like damn I oh, missed my Billy Eilish moment where was this? this was at the People's Choice Awards recently? yes uh, and you yeah. didn't you and didn't I, get... blew I blew it I blew it I'll never have a chance again and that's but, fine but you're John Cryer you could have just uh, <laughs> You kind I kind followed her around a little bit. I, well, no, that's it's creepy whenever anybody does it. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, but at but, any but rate, you, but you're but you're established non creepy. Yeah, I you're. hope so. <laughs> but no, I think I I got to figure yeah. that all a lot of people that have, we have now realize were actually creepy. Had, a, had we had thought were established non-creepy a long right. time ago. So right. I, I'm exactly the kind of person that people are looking askance See, yeah, Oh, at. that's right. That's right. Um, and that's fine. <laughs> I do are
1: you, are, are you making that up? Is this something you're projecting?
0: Uh, probably. Yeah, I project a lot. Yeah. I do that a lot.
1: <laughs> you do? Mm-hmm. I, I do, too. It, it's amazing uh, if we can only use that creative force differently. Mm-hmm. If I always think of, like, what my mind makes up on its own, if I could harness that energy <laughs> and direct it to something <laughs> proactive, <laughs>
0: <and> then <laughs> amazing what I could do. Exactly. You'd be curing every, yeah. every, oh, everything. Every, all diseases. Instead, mean, just paranoid and freaked out. Yes. Nope. Nope. But but it works for your comedy.
1: Sure. It does. It does most of the time. Sometimes it's a little much. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes people
0: are like, "Guys, oh, he's really... Going overboard with this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, he, I, he needs a little help, I a, think. A lot of us who are involved in comedy... Uh, you know, I remember I I, I said I got to end rehearsal early because yeah. I got to go to therapy, and they said don't fix anything we can use. Uh, <laughs> when was this? This this was on a, this is a couple of shows ago. Okay, uh, but uh, but but there is that age Who old said thing. Uh, the producers of the show, yeah. uh, a guy named Jeff Greenstein, yeah. said that to me. Yeah, uh, and he and I have remained friends. But he's, he's uh, joking, kind of. He right? was joking, like uh, anybody absolutely. can fix it that yes. quickly. Yeah, yes. yeah. You
1: come back from therapy, like, guess what? Guy's not funny anymore.
0: Finally happened. I'm all better. <laughs> I'm all. better. Better, but uh, but that is like a thing that that people in comedy sort of battle. Um, because, you know, we have mental health, health problems uh, as, yeah. as much, if not more, than, than everybody else. I wonder. Um, and, and there's that whole thing like, you know, that helps us. That helps our art. Yeah, but no but, one does
1: it on purpose. I've yeah. never met anybody that nurtures that shit. No. To, yeah, I, I mean, I know plenty of people that don't want to get help. But it's not because their art's doing so well. Rarely. Maybe Rarely. once in a while. Yeah. But it's usually just because they're like, they don't think they need help. Or they're, they're lazy. Okay, they're yeah, just lazy. Or, or they're not <laughs> identifying the problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I've I'm confronted with this idea lately about myself that I don't know if I'm uh, if if I can do a funny character outside of me. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, because there is like you have physical comedy chops. You're used to being in a three camera situation where the expectations are 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 fairly specific. You know, here's the line. Ninety percent of them are jokes or setups, mm-hmm. and and you hold the line. You know, and you do the thing. Yeah. Like I like. There's some part of me that that wonders. You, you know, is my comedic voice? Can I apply it to that, and <laughs> and, and be a little. A more of a caricature of myself. Mm-hmm. Are you aware of that? Uh, yeah. Or is that yes. just an actor thing?
0: You can. I I believe you absolutely can. Yeah. It's really as as you know about the writers capturing that yeah. in an accurate way. Yeah. 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 Uh, that can that sure. can just play a little broader. Yeah. Slightly. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um. But it, but absolutely. Yeah.
1: I just always wonder because when I try to do physical comedy, which I have, it, it I have to orchestrate it. I have
0: to really. Mm-hmm. It's. It, I'm not a natural. Physical comic. It's really hard. It's really hard uh, because you have to. Like I remember, I did a movie called Hot Shots. Yeah, many, oh, yeah, sure. Uh, years ago, it was a, yeah. it was a takeoff was on that, Top Gun. Was that that wasn't the first time you met Charlie, though. right? That was the first time I met. Charlie Interesting. Shane. Okay. Yes. Uh, uh He was still in his party. Phase. Uh, he well, was wasn't that on and off until a year was, ago. Yeah,
1: <laughs> 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 until last week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, uh, he used to show up with uh, Ginger Lynn, the sure, very, very the famous porn actress, yeah, porn actress who was, by the way, lovely uh, and very nice, sure, um, and uh, petite. Uh, by the way, mm. uh, neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, but there was a, we had a physical bit in that. Yeah. that was a fascinating. Uh, Because I was working with Jim Abrams, directed that of uh, Abrams, Abrams. And there's a bit in the movie where uh, my character ejects from his plane and lands safely, um, but then gets beat the shit out of uh, while he's being taken to the hospital because he's uh, because his parachute gets caught on the back bumper of an ambulance and he gets dragged all the way to the hospital. (laughs) And, you know, the, the irony being. That, yeah, that yeah, is yeah. where that he made was, the landing exactly didn't make the ride to the hospital. um but the joke of it was uh, I was supposed to be so beat up that i I stand up a- after having been dragged for miles behind yeah. this uh behind this um uh, ambulance uh they say uh are you okay? wash out and I say, yeah. oh, why thank you andre i will have the veal piccata. Yeah. and then I fall you know You're like right. a uh, and we we the first time we shot it um I said, "Well, thank you, Andre. I'll, I'll have the publicada just absolutely straight because you got to be straight because sure. you're doing uh, one of those yeah. those movies." Yeah. And I just dis- I fell out of frame and didn't get the laugh, and we were like, "Well, what the fuck?" And we <laughs> and, realized it was my eyes tracking ever so slightly to the left right before I fell. We had to go through the tape <laughs> like the fucking Zapruder film the joke? and figure out what was killing the joke every huh. time. Yeah. You know, and it comes down to remarkably uh, precise and specific things. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Yeah, because when I did a physical bit on my last special I had to
1: really run it and figure out the physical beats where there are some guys that it just seems they're just naturally physically gifted with comedy Mm -hmm. not that they wouldn't have to orchestrate something like you're talking about but there is a, 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 a timing that has to be worked out yeah even yes. like I would imagine, it happens on the TV set all the time. Even if
0: it's a double take or a walk back in, right? one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And you hope that you don't overthink it. Yeah, but but you your it, your job is to get it right. You I'll, know? Yeah. Speaking of Abrams, how funny was fucking Leslie Nelson? Holy shit. Jesus Christ. What, what, talk about unleashing a comedic tsunami I that couldn't. you did not expect was I just, there. I just saw
1: some Instagram reel of him. It was something like he's talking to some woman, your dog's got a very interesting face, and she's like, well, that's that's his ass. <laughs> 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 and he's the, the bit something like, well, he's, he's not going to like
0: that treat I just did. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, well, the wonderful thing about uh, uh, Leslie Nielsen was that he did so many serious potboiler yeah. dramatic roles before he started doing funny stuff. But, but just like a regular working actor guy, like not yes. somebody you necessarily yeah. single out. Mm-hmm.
1: And so it was a complete surprise that he was hiding this yeah. thing. Did you work with him? I've never worked with him. No, unfortunately. He carried never that fart machine, that yes. fart bag everywhere. Yes. I and interviewed him once a million years ago.
0: Uh-huh. The farts just kept coming. The, <laughs> God bless him and his, and his fart was, machine. Um. Well. Well. But the thing about that is, okay, I mean, he's sort of sort of like Rip Taylor with the the confetti, yeah. which was one of my Not favorite as Not my, as subtle. My favorite, yeah. Los Angeles moment was I went to see a local production of Evita that a friend of mine was in, and uh, at the end of the show, for some reason, he took his bow and then he's and and he decided to introduce Rip Taylor yeah. in the audience, and of course, the plume of confetti uh. came. Rip Taylor was ready, sure, even though. Yeah, how would he know? He just, put, he just walked around with pockets full of, full confetti. of confetti at of all course. times, Had in case he needed to do that. <laughs> um, but at any rate, uh, Leslie Nielsen was uh, obviously. Uh, I believe, you know, his deadpan was so amazing and, you know, and he could be so serious. And that was that was what made all that. Sure. Work.
1: Well, I think, well, I mean, like Sheen was kind of a
0: surprise, too, when yeah. he went comedy. Right. Absolutely. When he took that turn. Yeah. Uh, and 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 really gifted at a sitcom, which is another which is a different thing than than being funny in movies. Yeah. You know, Um he sitcom requires a certain staginess, just, you know, things have to be amplified just slightly, but they can't be too much. Yeah, Yeah. somehow it's a very delicate thing to deliver those lines
1: and and have the characters so defined that they don't stand out as jokes, and as, like, there's a groove to it. Yeah. And yeah, I've noticed absolutely. that uh, a lot, that, that that's, the, the thing about sitcoms is the character is everything. Mm-hmm. It has to Because that's the delivery device. So if there's any sort of waffling, or if it's not defined enough, you're just sort of like this guy's just saying jokes. It's not. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's again, it's one of those things that until you see it done badly, you don't you don't go. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it doesn't occur to you. Oh, wait the people that do this well, you know, and then there's amazing actors like like Laurie Metcalf, who's like got that thing where she can be, you know, an amazing stage actress, an amazing film actress. And, or you know, Allison Janney, you know, uh, these people who can 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 also 100 percent deliver in sitcom, you know. Well, on some uh, level, it's part of the job. Yeah, it is a job. It's an acting job. Yeah. You do all the things. Yeah. And, And and you can't be above it.
1: No, that's true. There's plenty of people that are, I guess, but (laughs) but
0: (laughs) but that's but that makes it no fun. I think no, but I Mm -hmm. mean, but
1: was this? But the plan for you, I mean, did you see yourself as this?
0: You mean like and originally? Mostly, uh, no, no. I wanted to be a movie director, actually, uh, when I that, first. Really? Yeah. I fell in love with movies. I loved science fiction movies, Star Wars. Where you know, you like you grow up? The, I grew up in New York City. Really? Uh, my parents were theater actors, and my mom actually was a playwright as well. Your
1: dad was a theater actor, a successful
0: yes. theater actor. Yes. What was the big plays? Like, what would you go see him in when you were a child? Uh, I saw him do Evita on Broadway. Uh. Um, uh, he did like Leonard Bernstein's Mass, which was a big thing at the the time he sure. uh, did that. He did 1776. Was that for a represented while on in Maestro? Uh, you mean, know what? Instance, I, don't, I haven't seen the movie I yet. I think it was. Is that the one they did at the church? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. It's in there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, I mean and my my stepmother who, you know, uh my my dad's wife after my mom, yeah. uh who I'm very very close to, she worked with Bob Fosse a lot. So, uh, oh, I, wow. you know, so I still see all the the the, the pop culture uh, my you know my parents have this connection to this to the pop culture in a very fun of way New York, in <laughs> the 70 yes, in New York in the when 70s when it was yeah. uh,
1: exciting and fun and and everybody and decadent and oh totally yeah. decadent
0: and bonkers yeah so they were all moving through the house they were the all apartment? there yes yes i remember my mom because she was a playwright used yeah. to have readings in her house and i remember one day i came home from school and al pacino was in my house and i was like what the... F- wow, wow. <laughs> okay hi yeah. i spoke to him not at all sure. um but it was it was uh it was otherworldly, so you what, you're like like how old? I would have been probably like thirteen, twelve, or thirteen at that point, so enough to have seen him in the Godfather, perhaps or yeah, yeah uh, yes, probably uh, and and I can't remember uh, that when it that was came post out. it was absolutely <laughs> post godfather that's a trip, man, um, yeah, he was already you know uh, huge it was yeah. not like he was right. young. And aspiring actor he was, actor. And he he was, just was hanging he was around already huge hanging around yeah he the did house? he does he does readings a lot he does plays a lot he likes to likes to stay engaged yeah he stays engaged so so you're growing up in that how many siblings Uh, I had – well, I had one biological sibling, but also when I was around 12 or 13, my sister's best friend moved in with us. Yeah. And she lived with us for so long, we consider her a sister for all intents and purposes. But did she – were you saving her? Was it a Uh, rescue Yes, it was was a religious (laughs) – we were converting her to (laughs) Islam. No, what happened was uh, she – uh no, her mom yeah. was uh, getting remarried to a guy who lived in Trinidad. Oh, and they just left her there, and she didn't want. No, she was <laughs> no she she yeah. wanted to go to um music and art, which okay, was part right, of the sure. performing arts yeah. high school in New York, yep. and that was her like dream to sing at music and art. So she just wanted to stay for a couple of years. Um, but then uh, her mom's marriage unfortunately did not last, and then her her mom moved back to England, and she was just staying with us. And by then she was going to college in upstate New York, so it was just like she's she's ours now. <laughs> like, Wild. You know? Um,
1: so just um, one sister yes. and your and your sister's friend yes in the house
0: yeah and a lot of art and uh, and a lot of art and, and it always felt full of music my mom was also a composer and a um are they a, still a, a around lyricist. yeah yeah both of my parents are still around they're um, they're doing good and my mom uh my, my uh yes they're all doing they're both doing good health wise um uh my mom is still writing a lot still writes a lot of wow. plays and um, and and uh, we're trying to get a couple of them produced actually right now out here. Um, or in general? Uh, there's uh, just in general, yeah. um, one one in Chicago and uh, and another uh, one we don't know where yet. But she also she's producing a show that's gonna be that's gonna be out here. Um, no she's kidding. very she's very. Uh, now uh, does she cast you? Uh, she, she asks me to do stuff with her yeah. all the time. Uh, we love working together. We do have a fun time, yeah. but she, she'll also ask me when I'm not right for the role, mom. Oh, right. <laughs> and, oh really? You, you know, tell her. and I'd and have to tell her that, you know, sometimes, and she, her name is Gretchen Cryer. She wrote, I'm getting my act together and taking it on the road, which is probably her most oh, that's famous big one. show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, she wrote a sequel to it, and she wanted me to play the manager in it. Yeah. And the whole point is the manager is this super slick yeah. kind of – you have to get the sense of that he was a super good-looking guy back in the day. Yeah. And I was like, that's that's not that's not me, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I love you. Yeah. Thank God, God bless you for thinking of me that yeah. way. But that's not me. Yeah. But we've worked together on a couple of plays. She actually – she and her writing partner were the first all female creative team to have a Broadway show, actually, which a show called Shelter in the seventies, which only unfortunately ran for a couple of months. But we did a, a reading of it at um, fifty four below. Yeah. So we, she and I, have worked together. Well, that's interesting to bring. A, had,
1: was that the first time it had been kind of unearthed? Since? Yeah.
0: Yeah. We were hoping to get an encore version yeah. going, which we may uh, at some point. And how was um, the the language and the ideas in it? Did it all hold up? Oh, my God. Yeah. It, it absolutely did, because in the 70s, a lot of critics derided it because it was a story about a TV producer who has created um, inside his television studio yeah. um, his own world. He has a computer that talks to him, and uh, it, it creates kind of a virtual reality for him. Yeah. Uh, and in the 1970s, they were like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, this you is know, crazy This is science crazy fiction. science fiction. Yeah. Um, but— Uh, The show is called Shelter. But now it's sort of uh, of like what's happening everywhere. I mean, there's some (laughs) paleozoic... Sexual stuff yeah, in there, yeah. Uh, but um, but but the show, by and large, about a guy just making this world for himself and then just consigning himself to it and and sort of withering away because of it, is I think very relevant.
1: I never really thought about that, you know, with plays that you're kind of bringing this sort of ghost to life every
0: time you do one. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of interesting. And it's and and what is how is it going to reverberate this yeah. time, you know? And and what's going to be slightly different about it this time? I mean, I I, I you know. That that's a, a lovely thing about performing plays yeah. too is that every night is somewhat different. You know, they're never exactly the same. You did uh, plays mm-hmm. early on, right? Yeah.
1: yeah. And that, like, you know, because I have this, I'm having this uh, thing as I'm whatever age I'm at, sixty, where I have to really you know, figure out whether I'm what I what I'm thinking about doing is is something I really want to do or something fantasy Mark thinks he can do. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> am i just totally yeah i uh, deluding myself right, right. is that, that something I I really do want to this. Be, like
1: this idea like i was going to move to new york uh-huh. and i'm like in my mind like what a great place to get old i going to you know i'll just be engaged i'll go to yes, museums you and, could get on the subway yeah, you don't right. need to exactly. drive you don't need to yeah when i lived <laughs> there when i was younger i didn't do that shit <laughs> so I, I i really had to you know reel in fantasy mark
0: and, uh, and realize well my mom is 88 yeah. and lives in new york city in the, the upper west side of manhattan the she thick loves, it. It. Yeah. loves it yeah uh uh I, I and and again as i said you are revered in sure. in, in comedy circles yeah i believe you would I'd be, be all right you would, you'd be
1: all right there. Uh, well maybe it's still not a dream so, but I, I guess the what i was but i recently expressed interest in doing a play until i realized like well you're gonna workshop it for oh, for yeah. four weeks in Chicago, and then we'll see if we can get a run in New York. And all of a sudden, it's six months. Yeah, and I don't live an actor's
0: life, so for me, six months, it's like that's a long time. Yeah, and then that's and you're hoping for that scenario, right? You're hoping that it runs a long time. Yeah. <laughs> so, what, uh, what were the plays you did early on? You like you? It's so funny because I talked to. Uh, Fisher Stevens. Yes, Fisher and I, uh, we we batted around uh, in a lot of the same roles. Right, actually. that's what I mean. Yeah, because uh, I I did a little research, and now you're both kind of Broderick. Yeah, you know, in the we wings were Matthew of Broderick, Broderick adjacent. Yeah. at the time, interesting. Yeah, he and I, he, uh, uh, I followed him in Torch Song Trilogy on Broadway. Fisher or Matthew? Fisher Ma- Stevens. Ma- and he followed um,
1: Matthew. Was Matthew in? He
0: it? followed Matthew yeah. in Brighton Beach Memoirs. Okay, okay. However, I was Matthew's understudy in Brighton Beach mam- Memoirs. Okay. Yeah. Or before that, before before, uh, so how Fisher, Fisher came get the in. gig and not you? Fisher got well. Oh, there's drama, Mark. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, old uh, drama. <laughs> I was, I was uh, Matthew's understudy for six glorious weeks. Yeah. Um, first of all, first and foremost, when you're a Broadway understudy, yeah, I, this was my first job, so I didn't know that part of the requirement of Broadway understudy is that um, you get very little rehearsal, but you're expected to know all the lines, right? Uh, and I thought that I would get that I that I'd be going to work every day, yeah, uh, with the other understudies, but occasionally with the main cast members, sure, uh, and that we'd all get good at this at the same time. Yeah, that is not how it works. How old were you? Uh, I was eighteen. Okay. Um. And uh. And and actually, I should have asked my parents about this. Yeah. <laughs> I. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, good you sort resources, of, you right? In the, the house. The, you get the job, yeah. and you just kind of go with it. You know. Um, but what I did not know was you only rehearse two times a week, yeah, um, so that's two times a week you get to 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 do this and the, and the, you're expected to watch the show every night and learn all the lines now, and stage it, movement and and save, stage yeah. movement um and but but that particular part, the Matthew Broderick's part in Brighton Beach memoirs, was like bigger than Hamlet. It's an enormous. Role. He has multiple, multiple monologues. He's, you know... It's, he's it's monologuing
1: in, the whole time. The whole time. Yeah. It's from
0: his point of view. Yeah. So it was huge. It was a huge part. Yeah. And about four weeks into the show, uh, into my being his understudy, yeah. uh, uh, he won the Tony for sure. Best Actor, yeah. which raised the, uh, the pressure on the whole situation right. quite a bit. Because yeah. now everybody who's showing up is, you know, showing up to buy a ticket, is expecting the guy who won the Tony. And if he's not on... A guy who's good enough yeah. to win a Tony, um, in his place, uh, and so I would say after about six weeks, I did a run through with the director. Finally, I had never, I had never even met the director. Who was the uh, director? Gene Sachs? Yeah, um, who's an incredibly gifted, yeah. Broadway director. Yeah, um, and he. Uh, he's, he passed away, obviously, but uh, but uh, you know, uh, he was still alive yeah, when I when sure. this happened, uh, and uh, I did my run through for him. But I had to call line a few times because I was still bumpy. I'd only rehearsed twice a week, so that's twelve days of rehearsal. Yeah, you know, right? Um, that I that I had. Um, so I was still a little bumpy. Um, after the show, uh, I asked the stage manager, "Hey, any notes from Gene?" He was like, "No, no notes." I was like, "Ah." And um, uh, the next day, I get a call from my manager. uh, You don't have to show up to work today. (laughs) Uh, And he told me I got fired. Uh, And uh, uh, I called Gene and he said – and to his credit, he took the call and he said, you you know – you have to be ready, you know, and yeah. and and Matthew won the Tony two weeks right. ago. I, you know, I I can't, you know, and so he was right. He was yeah. absolutely right, and they fired me for 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 an absolutely valid reason. And, and, when, and how'd
1: you how'd you take it? Crushed.
0: crushed, crushed, absolutely crushed. But then Torch Song Trilogy yeah. needed somebody to take over. For Fisher Stevens, who was leaving, yeah, uh, uh, and liter- so literally that night, the night I got fired from Brighton Beach, yeah, I got offered Torch Song Trilogy, which you know I, I-, I vowed, boy, I'm going to learn the lines, sure, that's for sure. Less <laughs> monologue, less monologuing is um, much smaller part, yeah, uh, and uh, and that's where I had my Broadway debut, um, taken over for Fisher, uh, who was wonderful in that show, by the way, yeah, um, and then Fisher didn't go in for Matthew. Until many months later, um, they got the kid from On Golden Pond, Doug McKeon. Yeah, uh, to he took over for Matthew, but yeah. he was kind of oddly cast. He was not uh, not a comedy tour de force. Yeah. Um, so then they brought in Fisher. Um, and He's that's, pretty funny. Yeah, Fisher. yeah. But and then they brought, and then after Fisher, they brought me back. Uh, <laughs> I, I had done uh, I had done a movie uh, and with Demi Moore called No Small Affair, and my mom went to a, a show. Uh, and Gene Sachs was seated right next to her. And he said, oh, Gretchen, how you doing? Yeah. How's, how's John doing? And she, and she's like, you realize you devastated him. But she didn't say that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She said, oh, he's doing great. He's got a movie coming out in a few weeks. Yeah. And uh, and and Gene said, oh, we always knew he'd be a star. Oh. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and then literally say. the next day, they called me to replace uh, uh, Fisher. And, so you got and, to do that show. Yeah, I did get to do Brighton Beach Memoirs. And actually, at one point, uh, Matthew then opened the next part of the trilogy, uh, Biloxi Blues, right. uh, uptown a few blocks. Yes. And they asked me to understudy him in that yeah. while I was performing Brighton Beach Memoirs at the same time. So the idea is if he was out, I would just run uptown and my understudy in Brighton Beach Memoirs would go on for me. Wild. Yeah. So you were like in, you were the, you were a Broadway guy. I was a Broadway guy. But what happened to the film directing? That went away. Yeah. That went away. uh, Well, you know, yeah, it went away. I, I, mostly because I got, once I got into performing in movies, um, I, I, I realized that the skill, of it was different than I thought it was. Oh. That I didn't. I didn't understand the politics involved. I didn't understand of the directing. budgetary issues of of directing. Oh, the whole,
1: you just saw yourself going like, "Cut!" Exactly. <laughs> exactly. See, that's fantasy,
0: John. Yes, exactly. Make make the spaceship zoom past the camera. Boom. <laughs> yeah, we're <right>. good. <laughs> Cut. Print. So, uh, the, all done. Yeah, it's all done. Yeah, well, that's interesting. But you, have, you eventually ended up directing stuff. I have, uh, but mostly multi camera, which is a very different skill. Sure. Uh, and I and I went to film school at SC for a while. Uh, you did um, after. So yeah they ha- they have a like, they have like a, a boot camp. where But you they, didn't do like undergrad. Yeah. Did you do undergrad? No, I did. Uh, they, I just did their USC directors. <laughs> but boot did camp. you
1: do after high school? That was it. You, you yes, didn't go- I,
0: I did. And I actually did that as a as a you know after I'd been in the business for a long time. Right. That's what I mean. Do, but like there was no college. Yeah, there was no college.
1: Wow. Yeah, they just like uh, the, the school of hard knocks. Yes, <laughs> on broad <laughs> mean streets. Yeah.
0: Of, well, that's uh, interesting. Uh, I wonder <laughs> how.
1: Well, I guess if you start at that age, I mean, it's because it, I forget. You know what a big deal they made out of like, you know, Natalie Portman and Claire Danes going to college.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, they were child actors. Yeah, and it was sort of like this, like what. They're just going to stop and go get an education in case <laughs> acting doesn't work out? Are they the smartest actors that ever lived? Well, that, you know,
0: people always are, are amazed at that type of thing because they're like, they already had so much success yeah. and yet they are choosing to f- fulfill themselves as human beings, thankfully. Or, you know. or, or, or,
1: or also, but I mean, I think there's some plan being in there. Somewhat, yes. I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. I mean, it doesn't work out for everybody. No, no, no. But they were doing pretty well.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I, you know... I- in retrospect, yeah. I, I actually got into NYU, but when I once I got Brighton Beach Memoirs, I just was like, "Fuck that." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and but in retrospect, I don't know how my mom would have paid for that because she, you know, she's a playwright. She was a single mom playwright right. in New York. Yeah. C- where Come was your on. dad? Uh, my dad was an actor, but you know he and he would occasionally have Broadway gigs, but not. The, and he had uh, remarried and had four kids. Wow. Um, he yeah. eventually, by the way. Got um got cast as David Criers his name. He got cast in in uh, Phantom of the Opera. In, yeah. uh, and and ended up touring and doing it on Broadway for nineteen. 19- years. Years. Oh, so he did all right. Yeah, because because all of his kids were successively hitting college. Yeah, uh, and he he was trapped. He had no. Wow. He, he did. He loved that gig. Actually, he really loved it because every town that they went to, the the would would welcome the Phantom of the Opera cast like visiting sure, dignitaries. Yeah. But you kept um, a relationship
1: mm-hmm. with him. It was all right. Yes,
0: absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Still. Still, yeah, mm, that's good. Yeah, yeah, and, and honestly, better now. You yeah, know? Um, what happens when everyone gets old? Well, yeah, yeah, and 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 also, it was interesting uh, when when uh, when my first marriage ended. He and I, he just happened to be living in. Uh, he he had his family the Opera was in yeah. Long Beach. Yeah, uh, so he was just staying with me <laughs> while you know the the day my ex said, yeah, you know, I want to move out, <laughs> and I was like, wow, okay, uh, you know. So, dad let's go to a bar you know? Sure, yeah and it and it really did actually you know allow me to to connect with him in a really different way wow and where's that show i know i know i've i've i, I have i have pitched it <laughs> <laughs> i have absolutely pitched it yeah so the first movies were when did how far how long before well pretty and pink happened pretty quickly huh Pretty and Pink happened when I—that uh, was actually my th- technically third movie. I had done—my first movie was with Robert Altman, um, uh, a movie called Ocean Stigs, sure, which is I remember of that. of lost wasn't that, films. Was, but wasn't mm-hmm. that
1: based on a National Lampoon? It absolutely was. Because
0: uh, I remember reading that in Lampoon,
1: and I don't think I ever saw Ocean's and Stiggs, but I always thought that Bill and Ted was sort of a riff on Ocean's and Stiggs in a way.
0: Ocean's and Stiggs was full of this very— National Lampoon contempt yeah. for uh, uh, for suburbia and yuppies right. and the eighties yeah. thing. Sure, uh, I mean just contempt. Yeah, uh, and that if if I was to point to a problem with Ocean Stiggs, it would be that uh, it would be that that it had that it just had this gut level hatred for yeah. a fair number of its characters. Um but and, you worked with Altman. But I worked with Altman and which was such a pleasure. Yeah. Um I
1: mean where was he in I mean what was
0: it? I mean that wasn't his last movie or anything. I feel like No in fact he had a golden age after that. He like had the, the shortcuts player. and the player. Yeah and, yeah you know he had some amazing work. Uh, Gosford a, he, Park oh, you know yeah, yeah. he's done a couple of weird movies. Oh many. Yeah. <laughs> Health Yeah. <laughs> you know it is kind of fun being in one of the the totally lost all, all band band movies. movies. Um, what well, was it like to work with him? Lovely. I mean, he yeah. uh, uh, he really liked to create a fem- familial vibe. Sure, sure. On the set, he would he would screen dailies for the whole cast every night. That's something they seem to do in the seventies a lot. Yeah, like, um, I don't think it happens much anymore. It, does, does it? it, it no, no, not at all. Yeah. Um, mostly because the, the the production schedule is just much much accelerated. I it's guess so, so much if, faster. To, and now. to think they
1: were doing that on film. I mean yeah. it would be easy to screen dailies now. Yeah. Yes, I mean, you're you, absolutely right. You could do it you can do it after every take. Yeah. If you want.
0: Yeah, he was trying to create almost a theater group because okay. you're oh, improving the right, right. the the it's his stuff is really structured improv okay. where he would mic up all the major characters and and have a basic outline of the scene. You got to go from here to here go go nuts, yeah. you know. And um and he, you know, you could tell he he was a little bit irascible. You know, he was a little. You could tell when he was irritated and yeah. things weren't working. Right. Um. Uh. But he, but he, you know, had a had a, a very anarchic sense of humor. Yeah. Uh. You know, very mash. Yeah. Uh, sure. Uh, adjacent. Yeah. Um. And. Uh, uh, and he had this group of uh, uh, his crew had worked with him for decades. Yeah, yeah. So, so everybody just you know sw- swim this, the yeah, deepest yeah. ocean for sure. him. Uh, uh, and and I so this was my very first film. So I thought, oh, this is this is how this works. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, You show up and you just make up a bunch of stuff, and yeah. and maybe it's funny, maybe it's not. Although interestingly, um, I would say there is a, a some detriment to it because when you get that group together and you're all just cutting it up yeah. for each other, sure. You do that for dailies, and then the stuff doesn't really cut. It it's sort of it's 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 fun for us, right? But it's kind of exclusionary to the audience. Uh, mm-hmm. And I would say that that infected us somewhat as well. Oh, interesting, because I, I guess that's
1: the the sort of uh, the miracle that sort of has to happen with his movies mm-hmm. is that it somehow has to transcend, like the. You can't be playing for each other. Like yes. yeah, I'm think I always think about McCabe and Mrs. Miller as one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. And yeah. everybody sort of mic up. There's all kinds of chatter. Yeah. But but it doesn't For a wedding or Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and Nashville, all that yeah. stuff. But it feels like you're peering in on something, but you don't feel alienated necessarily. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But you thought in that movie it was a little And it was and, he doesn't do a lot of comedies. No, no. Um but he's you know, but like when they hit like the oh, player no, sure. or you know, or Nash. i mean they they really they really yeah. hit. Um so you know uh, uh, that was my my introduction to it, yeah, um and uh, and but also disappointment because the movie never came out, you know <laughs> um uh and so it was you know this great fun atmosphere we all had it never came no. out, uh, no, no, I mean, I, yeah, you know what, I think. What happened was the studio completely recut the movie, yeah. and so Altman wanted nothing to do with it. He oh, didn't. So, okay. He didn't Alan yeah, Smithy yeah, yeah. it, but but he he you know he he swore it off. Yeah, uh, and and it it got you know. Two theaters in, you know, right. in, in Nyack, you know. Right. Uh, uh, so it, it did not get Oh my any God. Kind so that's a, a disappointment. Oh my gosh. Yes. You so know. that was another blow. Yes. Another blow to the young career. <laughs> yes. Yes. He, um, but the the nice thing is that, you know, when the blow is happening, you're usually on to the next thing. Sure. So it doesn't hurt quite as much.
1: Now, when, so then the next thing is the the one that kind of made you, right?
0: Well, no, the next thing was no small affair. Oh. It was a, it was a, a May, December, romantic comedy with me and Demi Moore which is like we're not that May December we're like yeah. she's like 25 and I'm 17 or 17, 16 something like that yeah. <laughs> you know it's not that well whatever yeah. uh you know it's illegal in many places now but yeah. at the time it was the 70s or late, late or the 80s rather when when people just thought that that was titillating i yeah. guess um at any rate so we did that uh and um uh, that was supposed to be—that was originally—Martin Ritt was going to direct it with Sally Field and Matthew Broderick. Um, but then Matthew fell out because I think he was doing War Games or something like yeah. that. And uh, and Martin Ritt fell off of it. So then Jerry Schatzberg came in, and then they made it younger, so it was me and Demi Moore. And uh, and so that was my second movie. That came out, um, but wasn't much of a, a, a success. Yeah. Um, and then Pretty in Pink happened.
1: And that was a whole different thing.
0: Yeah and that, that was a whole different level of and hit. and
1: so you had to deal you had to sort of uh not deal but you you got to see that that John Hughes machine kind of do the thing
0: yeah and i had only i had read the script to 16 candles and auditioned for it actually uh-huh. way back when and uh but i i you know i thought it was hilarious at the time and i loved his writing in national lampoon actually sure. i was a big fan of his from national lampoon and uh so so when Priam Pink uh, uh, came to me, and I read Ducky, I was like, "This is it. I you know, this is if I don't get this part, something has gone terribly wrong. Um, and you were living out here at the time? No, I was living in New York. I was okay. doing Brighton Beach Memoirs right. as a matter. Of okay, fact. so um, yeah. and uh, and I met him. Uh, uh, when they introduced me to, they wanted me to read, I, I read for the director first time and yeah. uh, uh, Howie Deutsch was the director and he just kept having me read more and more scenes. Uh, and then he said, well, we want you to read with Molly Ringwald. I was like, "Woo!" And I yeah. got there and then there's John Hughes was actually there. Yeah. Uh, and he was super cool and really wanted to talk to me and really wanted to, to pick my brain about Yeah. Young stuff, which is what he was like with all young actors. He yeah. always really wanted to get their take, on get it things. right, and that was part of what what made him really good at it. Yeah. Um, but but after I got Pretty in Pink, Breakfast Club came out and was like this detonation of teen eightiesness. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I was like, Holy wow! I'm I'm I guess I'm going to be part of this now. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So when do you on. move out here? Mm. When do you like you know lock I, in? Not – not. I, I still lived in New York most of the time um, uh, uh, off and on. I, it wasn't until my son was born in the year 2000 that I actually, like, moved to, Cal- really? to California. Really? I mean, I came out a lot. And the crazy thing was that even though I got theater gigs at first in New York, yeah, once I started doing movies, I never got theater gigs anymore. They just never – were you making be. yourself available for them? Or? I thought so. Yeah. My agents were supposed to be looking for them. Sure. Um, You know, as you know, as an actor, it's just a waiting game in many respects. You just got to, you know, you're not the one making things happen a lot of the time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I would always get jobs in Los Angeles. Um but I wanted jobs in New York where I lived. Yeah. So I'd go out and I, you know, I got an apartment in Los Angeles and I would, you know, yeah. I'd stay sometimes. Sure. Uh, I lived in Park La Brea, uh, yeah. which, which is the only place in Los Angeles where it actually is 20 minutes to get everywhere. It's like right in the center. Sure. And, you can, <laughs> and you can walk to Air One. And, and you can walk a, to Air One. Walk to the this Grove. Was, this was pre- Pre-Air One. Pre-Air One. Oh, okay. So. But you could still mm-hmm. walk to the yeah. stores. No, so Air was one, one was the... on Beverly Down, oh, farm... a little farther down. but uh, Farmer's uh, but, Market. Yes, Farmer's Market existed. Yeah you yes, could do that. that you could do that you could go have coffee over there which was nice yeah <laughs> you know dupars was yeah.
1: nice dupars still there yeah yeah and i think there's still a crew of oldies that from yeah. that from the biz that yes. hang out like i think paul mazursky used to have a table
0: over there oh my gosh do yes. a thing yes yeah. i remember auditioning for paul mazursky for oh yeah yeah that is uh, the i i i, I have I don't have. Thankfully, I don't have a lot of those stories where you know, oh, the great one that got away. Yeah, I don't have a lot of uh, you know. I mean, like I auditioned for Platoon, which I think is a terrific movie. Platoon. Um, uh, but I wasn't the right guy for Platoon. For, you were going to do Charlie's part? No, the <laughs> uh, uh, the part. Um, oh come on, uh, Dylan. Uh, oh, Kevin yeah. Dylan's Kevin, character, Dylan. yeah, Kevin yeah, Dylan's yeah. character, uh, Bunny. Yeah, uh, was what I auditioned for, and it was hilarious because I because when whenever when you have an audition. And it's written in that there has to be gunplay yeah. that complicates an audition yeah. because what do you do? Yeah. Do you bring in a fake gun? Yeah. Do you do finger guns, which sure. is fucking ridiculous? Yeah. Uh, do you what do you do? So this is what you're thinking when you're going in. Yes. And, and I was like, well, how do I, you know, because I because they, they give you the scene sure. where he shoots at a one legged Vietnamese guy. Yeah. Uh, 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 with a machine gun. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, do I go? Tat 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 tat. What do I do? You know, and uh, <laughs> you know, they, they certainly don't give you a one-legged yeah. Vietnamese guy yeah. to go in with. You know, uh, <laughs> so so when you went in with Stone, there, uh, Stone was there, and yeah. I did finger guns. Did. I, I went with finger guns <laughs> and did not get that part.
1: Do you think you could have mustered up the menace?
0: Uh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the nice thing about being a clown is that people, that when you're not, yeah. people do get very surprised. Yeah, they're like, look, uh, the, clown, the clown's really angry. Yes, exactly. That is an angry clown. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you a sad and angry clown? Yes, of course. Um, uh, so okay, so you I, didn't I get think platoon. I brought that, but, yeah. I, but I, I, I honestly thought Kevin Dillon was great. Sure. I mean, the, the only times I've auditioned for big things that then ended up being huge, the people ended up being wonderful. Sure. And so I never felt like, oh, well, I, that, that that was yeah, that rightfully was... mine and right, i should right. be i should be angry the rest of my life what other ones uh i had a fun thing happen at uh, i okay this is this is uh, i i i got sent this indie movie script that i that uh they said you got to read it on the plane because yeah. you you can only audition tomorrow they're holding auditions tomorrow Why in does new it york always city happen like that? i know what's the, what what's it's the like, flipping rush can you do what, it now exactly. can you do it in 2 hours can you read this on the plane yeah. and uh uh um uh, and they actually gave me a couple of scripts to read on the plane So I read one of them, finished that, then started the indie movie. And it was all crazy. It was like it had full of these weird monologues and it went backwards and forwards in time. And I was like, what the fuck is this even about? I don't, you know, but I'm reading it. I'm like, well, you know, uh, they might be onto something. I don't I don't know. Yeah. The next morning, uh, I'm supposed to go in on this audition with these monologues. And I'm like, I had no time. I, I, I got in. To New York, really late. Yeah. When am I even going to learn this? Yeah, and my sister calls me, and she says, uh, uh, "My my uh, mother-in-law is ill. I've got to run out to Long Island. Um, can you watch my daughter, who was two or?" Three at the oh, time, wow. yeah. Um, and I was like, "Sure, I can." And it gave me an excuse to blow off the audition. I call up the producer of the the thing, and he says, D- "Please come in. Please, yeah. we really want to see you. Did We're really excited kid? about seeing you." And I'm like, "I can't bring my three year old and do this profane, horrifying monologue. It's just just one of the most just like disturbing yeah. things. You know, uh, um, uh, I can't do that with this child sitting on my lap. You know, yeah. this is, you know, it's just it, it's not going to work. I'm so sorry." And you know, and he was really insisted. Please, we yeah. really want to see you. Br- you know, bring the bring your your knees. I was like, no, I'm sorry, I can't. That movie was Reservoir Dogs, <laughs> <laughs> and I really wish I did that movie. Steve Buscemi ended up getting the part. Oh uh, um, yeah. Uh, uh, but I do. I find it funny because had I done that monologue with a three year old in my lap. I, Tarantino would have loved that shit. Sure. 100%. <laughs> yeah. But no one so, knew Tarantino
1: at that time. No, exactly. And he obviously <laughs> was focused on you.
0: Yeah. I mean, that wasn't yeah. just a
1: casting director, because he's kind of specific. Yeah. He kind of knows the full
0: yeah but but again, that script I wish I had you know that was really my fault for not getting where that script was going yeah you know um uh, that is you know it it reminds you that as an artist you really got that's the source yeah and you really got to pay attention to that and and you know and hopefully find what's wonderful the nugget of wonderful of that and fan it into a flame i'm mixing metaphors sure now, but i mean but... <laughs> that's gotta happen pretty regularly you read a script i have a hard time reading scripts sometimes mm-hmm. but you can see a character within it yeah but it doesn't mean you get the whole movie or, uh, yeah. yeah and it, and and again you're so many things have to go right for a movie to be good yeah so many things i know uh um you know that that it's it's really it, – it is it, – I really admire people who can reliably get themselves into movies that are cohesive and wonderful. Yeah. God bless those people. They're amazing.
1: It is, that is true. No matter how many films are made now and no matter how e- easy it is to – to sort of self-motivate and make movies. Mm-hmm. It's not that easy, but for one to really come together and be good, it's kind of a miracle. It is. It absolutely it's wild. is. Yeah. So,
0: so many things have to go right.
1: So, I mean, was there a period there, though? I mean, like, I, you did a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. But was there a period there where you were like, I'm fucked? Is that when you, <laughs> is that where you went to uh, film school for a minute?
0: Um, yes, that was, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Um, yes. After I did, I did three sitcoms in a row that tanked Um, and it's different than, it's one thing if you do a pilot and it never gets on the air. Right. Um, uh, networks don't feel like you've been tested in the marketplace, but I did three shows in a row, um, that, that got on the air and last and, 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 flamed out. You were the lead. Mm -hmm. I was the lead. I did a famous Teddy Z, uh, partners and getting personal. Okay. Um, all three multi-camera sitcoms. Yeah. Um, yeah. All actually good working experiences. Yep. uh, And uh, but all of them, you know, like most sitcoms do, got canceled after (laughs) like uh, after half a season. Okay. After all of them lasted half a season. Um, Well, Partners technically lasted a whole season. Yeah. Uh, At any rate, um, uh, so then I was like three years of in three years I had two weeks of work.
1: Oh my uh, god.
0: And that was that was brutal. So I did go to film school during that time. Um uh, which was a great experience. Uh, mostly because cuz there was there was a few adults in the class but also a lot of kids. Yeah. A- and um and as an adult, you're there to like get shit done and you're you want to be in the class. Yeah. But but I was amazed that even kids who got into this this course that they really wanted to do Getting them to get off their asses was just this Herculean task, you huh. know. And it was great because, like, if if uh, if if the editing bay was only open for a certain amount of hours, yeah. I was always first because I showed up, right. you know. Yeah, sure. <laughs> they, yeah. Um. But uh, uh, but it was that was a, a that was a, an absolutely revelatory experience for me because I, I realized how little. How how unimportant acting is in the scheme of making movies and television. Yeah, you. Did. It must have been. That it's moment. just this tiny little slice of it. It, it really yeah. is. You just realize, oh my god, yeah. so much else. You know, and I and I stopped worrying about auditions nearly as much because I was like, this is just you know, I'm just a tiny cog in this thing. Right. You know, even if I'm the lead, I'm a tiny cog. Yeah, you're in you're piece. Thing. <laughs> and then you start um, to realize
1: why directors are just the, they're they're nice to you, just sort of like you know. They have to make you feel like it's all you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, you know? absolutely. Or they know, you're
0: like, oh, God, I just, just got to <laughs> get this guy on track. So I can, <laughs> a million things to worry about. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and you do understand why they have the thousand-yard stare on the set. Why, you know, you, you, like, try to be social, and they're like— Checked out, yeah, <laughs> because it's like million oh no, a million things on their mind again. So, so you again, the the Gerwig interview was so wonderful because you realize the the number of levels yeah. that she was thinking about stuff on, uh, just remarkable. But it anyway, kind of is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah,
1: it it always amazes me to talk to directors because I want to try it, but I'm terrified of it. Mm-hmm. But you know. As you as you spend more time on set, so you still you didn't you only did what you do one movie you tried a movie no
0: I I've directed uh, a few I directed two and a half men I directed uh, Mom the sitcom I directed a show called Alison Channing? yeah with disjointed yes I uh, uh, Mom was an incredible experience because Anna Ferris and and Alison that had just an amazing cast yeah. of women on that yeah. show. Holy crap. Good time. Um, Jamie Presley. I mean, uh, uh, yes, absolutely great time. Lovely people. But also, you know, I, I, like uh, Disjointed, the show I did was with Kathy Bates, also amazing performer. Yeah. You know, so you – so, you know, I've gotten to work with amazing Right, but when you step people, into
1: uh, – uh, uh, an already going show. I mean, everything's
0: sort of in place. Yes, you you you've got to cleave to the style, sure. of yeah. the show that exists. Yeah, um, and uh, uh, you know, but but there's still. What was nice about it, like disjointed? It, yeah, you know, it was a little scene show on Netflix. It was about a pot dispensary. Oh uh, yeah, I watched it. Yeah, yeah, and and it, it took some really weird stylistic turns. Yeah, they, they let you do all kinds of stuff yeah. on that show, so yeah. that was really fun. Um, but mom also, you know, directing within an established format is is also really challenging. Sure, uh, and uh, uh, you know, I I I really liked the uh, the challenge of it. I, I really, you know, I I, I found it. Um. Very satisfying. I still, you know, I I still like acting better. So I, I I'm fine. I find like every now and then, directing uh, for sitcoms has, has they've they've called me and it's yeah. you know, it's lovely to have the opportunity and yeah. I'm grateful for it. But I I tend to prioritize working as an actor instead, just because it's more engaging. Or yeah, yeah. And I I mean I I'd love to direct single camera. Yeah. Um. But I also I on some level the 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 technology of it has somewhat passed me by um because you know the the you see something like everything everywhere all at once yeah. and you go okay obviously they built that movie in tiny little bits yeah how the fuck did they do that sure. <laughs> you know um uh, uh you know it, it starts to the 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 things that I feel I would bring to being a director aren't necessarily valued in cinema right now. Well, I mean, there, there's a mix. But there's a mix, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's always a mix. And, and cinema is in a, its own crisis. You know, it's like what they don't even, it doesn't even know what it means sure. anymore. But there know. are some good
1: movies this year. There are, absolutely. Uh,
0: you know, there's some good, you know, regular style
1: movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, all right, so by the time you get, the gig on Two and a Half Men. Mm-hmm. You're showing up in sitcoms. You're doing things here and there. Yeah,
0: and you had no idea that that thing would take off. No, right? I didn't. You never know. And you but you know. knew
1: Charlie. You come I knew into scene Yeah,
0: and I had actually done a pilot with Chuck Lorre at one point. Um, uh, so I knew him. Uh, and uh, and the director Jim Burrows was well, Yeah, he's great, right? Yeah, yeah. a legend for a reason.
1: But in terms of like coming out of the eighties and com- being part of that crew of actors. You know, uh, eventually they all kind of some disappeared, some went their different ways. Yeah, but was there a sense of community that was diminishing as time went on?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and but it's interesting because like I, I was at this award show recently, and yeah. I met I finally met Keeper Sutherland. We yeah. should have met. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but we never met until now, you know, right, yeah. and I felt bad because I'm like this snark machine whenever I'm on the red carpet yeah. uh, and he's like a nice guy, yeah. you know, and I was just like, rah, 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 you know, making my jokes and, and he was like, well, really nice to meet you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, uh, right. yeah. uh, but he was super cool. Um, That's wild, uh, right? But yeah, it's crazy that we've both been working in this business. You know, I I, I actually did a uh, commercial when I was four. So yeah. technically I've been doing this for 54 years. Wild. Um, uh, and yet, yet we've our paths never cross. I guess that's just. I always have this idea, and it's 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 going away. That all of you know each other, and that everybody, yeah. we, you know, I didn't socialize with the brat pack folks. Sure. I didn't, uh, you know, I, I, most know, people don't. It's not yeah. like
1: any time you see people in movies. It took me doing this show for a decade to realize, mm-hmm. like, no one hangs out. Yeah, they're after they're the friends, sure. you know, and then you go away, and then you go away, maybe forever.
0: Yeah, and occasionally you'll have somebody you, you yeah, stay yeah. in touch with. Yeah, you know, um, but uh, uh, but you know, it's it's not. It, 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 it's it's a very migratory. I guess it's migratory. Right? I don't know what. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. We, we, well, we,
1: well, everybody's just sort of out doing their own thing, and if yeah. people are working on something, it could be a year, two mm-hmm. years three years. Yeah. So
0: but you do you do this two and a half men the I imagine you did a pilot. It was like anything else, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean it was I, I did get a certain sense of CBS wanted Charlie Sheen on the air so badly. And you could sense that. Based on what? Based on he had done Spin City oh, that's for a couple right. of okay. seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and everybody was like wow, he's really good. Yeah. Um because he took over for Michael J. Fox and everybody said that is a bad idea. And then he turned out to be good. With on a the totally show. different character. Yeah. With a totally different character. Yeah. So uh uh so you know so him doing uh also uh, uh Les Moonves at the time yeah. was just you know chomping at the bit or champing at the bit yeah. uh to to have uh, movie people and TV shows. Sure, that was what he wanted. Well, he's um, a vi-
1: he was uh, ahead of the curve on that. Yes, he was. He was because that
0: that happened that all, That's all that happens now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, different I mean, it's again, it's different. Business. It's so different. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, we're we're yeah. but we're when we're
1: old now. I imagine what the arc of Two and a Half Men mm-hmm. where, was. It always a sort of uh, did you feel like you were uh,
0: uh, on and off screen just in a codependent situation that was (laughs) um well there was a there was a a very funny moment Uh, i i was getting divorced at the beginning of two and a half men just like my character yeah i was in the midst of a divorce when that when that uh when that First started, yeah. uh, and at one point, uh, Charlie, who was still married to Denise at the yeah. time, said, "Hey, man, if you need a place to stay, uh, you can you can come stay with us." Yeah. And I was like, "How much like the show do you want your life to be, Charlie?" <laughs> um, and uh, uh, and we never we never we we had dinner together a few yeah, times. Sure. we didn't we didn't hang out every night. He well, didn't. Yeah, you know, I couldn't see it. Yeah, it, it was, was just different not, interests. Yeah, we, we were very different kinds of guys. Yeah, um, and then his marriage fell apart. Yeah, um, so we were both single for a little while, right? And we, you know, uh, uh, commiserated about that a bit. Then this happened with a lot of my friends growing up. Whenever they got into drugs, because I was not into drugs, yeah, they they split off, uh, right. you know, and and kept that part of their lives. Away from me because they always just thought of me as a Boy Scout, I guess. Um, and Charlie was the same way. He, yeah, he never talked to me about that stuff. Uh, and, but it was pretty
1: extreme. I mean, he, yeah. Yeah, I
0: have a I have a hard time believing it didn't bleed over. Yeah. No, well, interestingly, he he was always he was still good at the job. Yeah. And he was still a nice guy to be around. He didn't like take it out on everybody. Right. He didn't yeah, show yeah, up yeah. and scream and yell. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, um, he in the last season he started. You could see that something was up. Uh, it either was like you. Were, I was a little worried about his health. It yeah. was like he, his timing's a little off. Right. Um. But he had started using again at that point, yeah. and and uh, stuff was starting to to fall apart. But
1: the roller coaster of his life didn't affect the show or your relationship with him.
0: No. No. Yeah. Not not until it. The whole. I mean. There, there were there were periods where, like when he got arrested in Colorado yeah uh, um, that we had to shut down the show you yeah. know <laughs> um, and he went into rehab a little yeah. bit uh, a couple of times yeah um, so, so and that you know literally stops your what your how you make sure, your living sure uh, uh, you know which is um, uh, but at the time he was always you know, uh, he was incredibly apologetic about yeah, it, Yeah. you know, and you knew you were working with a guy who was an addict. I mean, the, the very first day that we started working together, he showed me his uh, sobriety coin. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he's like, I've been two years sober, <laughs> Yeah. you know, and I was like, fantastic. That's great. great. Congratulations. Here we man. go. Um, yes. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> uh, and uh, and but, you know, he did last four. we did like four seasons before yeah. he started sliding off into the, the abyss. Yeah. Um. And then like I – well,
1: it's weird. I had one experience with him when he was in the middle of that manic breakdown
0: mm-hmm. oh. with the
1: tiger blood and everything. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, winning and that whole business. Like I don't know how far – that was after he burned all the bridges, right? Yes. Well, that was the,
0: the that was the burning. Uh, yeah. That was the, the, the winning, the, the midnight rants that Sir, he would right. just say horrible things well, about Well, somebody had,
1: had decided at Live Nation – to tour him?
0: Oh yes, yes. Actually, we, we, uh, I, I talk about this. I I, I also talked with Greg Garcia, who yeah. all, they also talked to him as yeah. well. People they wanted show doctors, right? So, oh, yeah. so they contacted you about that?
1: Yeah, I met with Charlie at the Four Seasons <gasps> to kind of you know kick around some ideas of how oh he would do god. a stage show. So, oh I my knew- god, the guy who the comedy guy at Live Nation, mm-hmm. Will's. Jeff Wills is like, you want to meet with Charlie Sheen, we're trying to put together some kind of show for him to mm-hmm. do in the middle of this insanity. I'm like, well, that's not taking advantage of a guy or anything if he wants to do it. So
0: uh, <laughs> he's in a spiral yeah, of like, drugs not, and I debauchery. Can how I, you, why, why, not why not exploit that? Allow him to monetize that but in I, some I, fashion. But I definitely <laughs> felt that because I'm sober and I was definitely
1: mm-hmm. sober then. And I met with him, it was fine. But then, you know, of course, you know, I get the call like he loves you, man. You gotta go up to the house. Uh-huh. So, oh,
0: so you went up to the house. Yes.
1: Oh, my gosh, dude. So I go up to the house, and it's crazy. Yeah, no, it's madness. And and there's people working. They're building bits around mm-hmm. this meltdown that he's having. Mm-hmm. And I, I I had a cold that day, and I remember because I was upset because he had all these amazing cigars, and I just couldn't even enjoy them. But he <laughs> uh, but he was uh, but he was like going on, and I'm seeing the, that everybody's sort of tentative. And I'm like, so you all know that this is you know this is volatile and it's weird. I could see it, mm-hmm. but they were on board because they had a gig. Yeah, and they were trying to put together this thing, and I'm like, you know, I. I I, I couldn't do it. I said, you know, after it, I said, uh, I can't do it. But I know a guy mm-hmm. who could, you know, go out there and he could open for him. And, you know, he's, and mm-hmm. I referred a friend of mine, Kirk Fox, uh-huh. who uh, who's a comic. And I just remember, <laughs> like, you know, I got out. I said, I can't do yeah. it for a lot of reasons. But, you know, most of it being like, this is a train wreck and it's it's yeah. not correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but like Kirk went out there for a couple of those shows. Mm-hmm. And I remember running into him on a plane coming back from one. And I'm coming back from New York and he's coming back from a string
0: of these. He's like, would you get me into? <laughs> well, because at the time I heard he wanted a tour. Yeah. Uh, and my mind said, I don't think he knows how to put together a stage show. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he doesn't. Yeah. Um, and I, but I thought, you know what? He's got managers. He's got agents. They will help him put together a stage they show. Br- they brought in a lot of people. And they did. And I'm now, only now, by the way, hearing about all the people that the, the, you are the second person. I t- I've, I've only met one other person who was yeah, brought in. A, well, um, well, eventually
1: what had happened when they realized that he couldn't do it on mm-hmm. – on, you know, like it wasn't performative. Yeah. You know, what he was going through was real time yeah. mania and and whatever. Uh that and that I think it kind of got a little sad. Mm-hmm. And I think who I think Jeff Ross stepped in. Yes. And it became more of a a sort of moderated conversation yes. with some other elements. Because yes. he was because in his mania, he was, you know, doing these sketches that only you know, he would know what the hell was going on. He made this assumption that America was on the pulse of, of what he was going through. Yeah. And it was peculiar. Yeah. And, yeah, but I guess it leveled off a bit and it, they got a few gigs out of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I and I guess
0: eventually, years later now, I guess he's kind of leveled off again. Yes, yes. He's in, he's in a much better place now. But I had the good fortune of doing – I got asked when Two and a Half Men shut down yeah. and he got fired um, – out of nowhere, I got asked to do what I thought was an Encore's production of The Musical Company yeah. with Stephen Colbert and uh, Martha Plimpton and uh, 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 Patty LuPone yeah. and Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah, and it was it was like a thing that was going to be at Lincoln Center. And encore's I don't you know the the way they do encore's productions is uh, everybody's still on script. Right. Uh, the idea is you sing the songs you 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 do some minimal blocking. Yeah. Um, but it's really just a fun evening to celebrate the sure. show. Right. But. A couple of weeks after they they asked me to do it, I said, "Yeah, sure, I'll do it. That sounds yeah. like fun." Yeah. Uh, I find out it's not an encore production; it's a fully staged production of of company that they're doing in two weeks at Lincoln Center, and half the cast won't even be there when you're rehearsing because, like, Neil Patrick Harris is still doing How I Met Your Mother, and uh, Christina Hendricks was still doing Mad Men. Yeah. She was she was in the show. Um, so this is madness. We're putting on a real Broadway musical in two weeks. Yeah. Um, welcome, you know. And, but not only that, but across town at Radio City Music Hall, Charlie Sheen and his violent Torpedo of Truth tour yeah. was going to play. <laughs> so we're both trotting the boards <laughs> on the same night um, in vastly different enterprises. <laughs> um, but both kind of chaotic. But both kind of chaotic. Yeah. Um, the... the the company ended up it, by the way, they shot it to play in movie theaters actually what it's yeah, it ended up being this fantastic production of company uh patty Lapone's amazing in it it 's the reason they cast her in that that uh, that redone version uh, um, that sort of reimagined version yeah. of company a couple of years later so it's, it worked out it, it worked out it ended up being a great production um but uh, and you know but we 're all working on being you know super. Uh, precise Sondheim, yeah, uh, you know, uh, you know, trying to deliver the magic of Sondheim to yeah. Broadway audiences, and across town is this flaming circus. train wreck circus, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow, so that was that was crazy. So I, I guess mm-hmm. you didn't bounce
1: over there to No,
0: <laughs> no. It was discussed. It was discussed, but, uh, but it did not occur. Uh, really? People were no. like, "Come on, go over and hang <laughs> I, Yeah, no. People were people were coming up to me saying, "Hey, we just saw Charlie," you know, and they were wasted yeah. invariably. They were wasted, often missing teeth. Uh well, I think that's what like that's uh, what it mm-hmm. became that people yeah.
1: signed on for yeah. the train
0: wreck. Yes. That was And it was it was weird for me because I really had you know, emotionally bought sure. into his recovery, and I was really, you know, hoping, you know, for all this stuff. But he, he, he brings a lot. He brings the drama into his life. You know, he—that's what he does. Yeah. Uh, and I hope he's past that. I hope he's moved on. Yeah. He's a, he's a he's a great guy to work with when he's not doing that. Now,
1: do you feel like you know, in in looking at your career, that like, because like, there. Obviously, in theater, you, mm-hmm. you know these the understudy thing happens, and then you're kind of, you know, you you take people take roles in in shows, you, but mm-hmm. you didn't originate uh, any of the roles that you started out mm-hmm. in in theater, nope. mm-hmm. and it's just sort of interesting that y- you know there you were with Charlie, but this is like you guys both carried that show it was a comedy team. You mm-hmm. didn't ever feel like
0: this is his show. Uh, you know, I kind of that was the way it was positioned to me. Yeah, <laughs> um, it it ended up being. More of a comedy team, thing, yeah. p- Mostly because, like, they wanted us to promote the show together a yeah. lot. Um Like we hosted the People's Choice Awards together and stuff like that, so we had to develop that dynamic. Yeah. You know. Um. And and it did come very easy to us. We had a great time doing it. You know. I well, mean, it's sort uptight, of classic uptight guy yeah. with with Charlie Sheen. Yeah. You know, it works. Yeah. You know, um, straight man. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Straight man's very funny. Yeah. People don't give enough credit to the straight. I agree. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, b- but you do feel tethered. I mean, it's like the the Hall and Oates issues of late. Yeah. Uh, remind you that, you know, when you when you have a, a, when you're wildly successful as a team. Yeah. That has can have drawbacks. I mean, sure. now they're in they're, they're at each other's throats and in court battles and it just makes you sad. At it's Hall and age. Oates for crying out. I, I know mean, what the fuck could it's be like, one. Seriously, guys, yeah. just,
1: you know. Don't 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 be mad. It's, but it's crazy. I remember when I had uh, you know David Crosby I had him on my show you mm-hmm. know before he died obviously, and I didn't know David Crosby you know he's Crosby Stills Nash and Young you know David yeah. Crosby Stills Nash it's you know it's David Crosby, and and I you know I reached out to him on Twitter I think
0: you mm-hmm. know,
1: and uh, you know he's like whatever. he's in the seventies, and I get this call a couple weeks on my phone I didn't know the number you know and it's crosby and, and i'm like he's like yeah man it's cros uh, look man i just you know I'm, I'm looking forward to the interview but like don't bring up any of this stuff
0: with me and Graham that's going on right now and i'm like uh, what what <laughs> i have no idea like, what's the stuff? drama between oh, no, everybody knows about it, but it dude, the world knows about but it, but it, it was over a woman <laughs> and these guys are almost 80
1: <laughs> and i'm like you know what david i'll I'll keep that i'll, I'll keep that I won't even bring it up
0: Pat. Uh-huh. One thing that was interesting about Sheen and that whole situation was that he grasped, even even when he was going crazy, he grasped his public narrative. What people saw was his story. Um, And that was why he was railing at the studio heads and railing at Chuck Lorre, the the guy who ran my show, because, you know, it got people sort of on his side in this weird way. And it and it. He understood his public narrative, and now I'm an actor. I didn't. I didn't have a public narrative, right. At all. I was just like I'm in. A, I'm either in a movie that you've seen or not. You know, yeah. <laughs> and that's you know, um, people don't know about my relationships. They don't care, and that's the way I like it. You know, yeah. um, sure. But it was the first time in my life when I started having a public narrative. I was the guy that had to hold the the the, the fort up when when the you know main guy goes crazy. You know, and
1: Kutcher comes in, and then Kutcher come, blows into
0: town. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But Anna. you're the rock. But I was the rock. And I was like, it's, I was like it was very weird to did you, have a, a public narrative on But you of didn't get flack. No, you no, weren't no, I didn't. I, I the... got, no, uh, people yeah. were, people were uh, incredibly kind of me. I did get flack from fans of Charlie's because they said, why weren't you, why didn't you stand up for him? Why didn't you keep him on the show? Why didn't you, you know, refuse to do the show oh, right. once he sure. got fired? You yeah. Know? Um, so there was, there was a big faction of, of Charlie Sheen fans who hated me. Yeah, but like, you know, but they were at the shows and I don't, yeah, they, I don't think you would be too upset if you lost them. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you know, obviously, I want people to enjoy, but, I, but man. also, I, you know, they don't know, they don't know what went down. Uh, yeah. and, and the crazy thing, by the way, is Sheen told me later what why he went nuts. He started doing testosterone. He was doing testosterone cream. Yeah, um, uh, during that time, so that was with the other rage. stuff. Yeah, yeah, with all the other stuff. So, so those midnight, those were that was Roy rage. That's what that was. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I
1: mean, it's he's kind. You know, he, he's definitely. It's amazing he's alive. Yes, you know, with with the virus and with the drugs and with yes. everything else, and you know, because you always kind of like that guy. Yeah, yeah I I, 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 <laughs> yeah, I hope you know.
0: I, I I hope I have nothing but but yeah. good wishes for him and 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 gratitude for the for the really great. Times we had, and what about the kid? Is he all right? Angus is well, as well. Uh, as well. Uh, well, the crazy thing is, if you watch the new show Bookie, which yeah. is on Max, um, yeah. which is Chuck Lorre writes and directs yeah. and produces, um, uh, there the first episode has like eight. Teen Easter eggs about Two and a Half Men. Oh wow! Um, and in fact, Charlie is in it. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, you know, he and and Chuck have reconciled. Yeah. Uh, and Angus is is in it, and they they are in a poker group. Um, in the in the in the show. Oh. And but that poker group was the exact same poker group that was in the pilot of Two and a Half Men. Come on. They're the same, exactly. They're Don Foster, Eddie Gordetsky, that whole crew. Yeah. Uh, um, I know. I know Gordetsky. Everybody knows Eddie Gordetsky. Yeah. Um, what does so. he do though? What I, he's a, he is a he is a he is a comedy writer. He is actually a terrific comedy writer. Of course, but he's also just a more fun guy to have around it's because like he, he it's knows like he, everybody. Eddie Gordeski's
1: mm-hmm. name is on the credits of almost every Everything. comedy from yes. 1995 onward, <laughs> and that's as it should be. Yeah, no, no, he's a great guy. <laughs> but you know, I can't get him. On, he won't do the show. But I've met. Oh him many come times. on! What a he'd be great. Yeah, but he doesn't want to. <sighs> He likes his life. Yeah. He likes being private. He likes yeah. listening to records. He likes being— He came a, over with yeah. Elvis Costello, of all people. He's yeah. like a music guy. Yes. Like, comedy is like how he made his living, but he's all about music. Absolutely. And the just, reason
0: we had fun music guests on the show because with some of regularity him. was was him. Yeah,
1: yeah, he's the best. You know, I, 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 but I imagine he must be hilarious, but it's— Oh, yeah. You know, but when you're just like a consulting producer or producer, you don't know which ones he's written, but no. I don't keep up with it. But he's done it on all of them. Mm-hmm. He must know the magic of sitcom. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's interesting to know about Bookie. It makes me like curious now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like ultimately this new show,
0: mm-hmm. Extended Family is your first Real project? <laughs> you mean you're the that? lead? Oh yes, yes. Uh, I, 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 yeah, technically. But I think, I think what the show sells is me and Abigail Spencer and Donald Faison. Like, I think, I think I like right. to think I of know. us as a new mod squad of okay. comedy. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, interesting thing about this show, yeah, is that this is the first one that um, that I was in the room for. I'm an producer on it, so I was in the room from the get-go. Yeah, I mean, I was in the room for the last few years of Two and a Half Men. Yeah, uh, with some regularity, but um, but uh, but this is the first time I was in the room all the time. Yeah, uh, and that's been a fascinating uh, thing to do. At at you know when I've been doing this a long time. Yeah. and did you know two hundred and sixty something episodes of Two and a Half Men to to figure out the dynamics of a whole new thing yeah at once has been really interesting and and really challenging and fun. You know. Educational. And and educational. And I love that at this age, after fifty four years in the business, I am learning new shit. All the time. <laughs> well do you have a do you is it something do you have a production company? Yes. All
1: right. Yeah. So and we do, make all you, kinds of stuff. Right. Oh. We and do then, podcasts, by the way. And that's been going on mm-hmm. for a long time? The production uh, yeah. company? Yeah.
0: yeah. I started at Warner Brothers in the last couple of years at two and a half men. Um and uh, uh, and you know, we've been doing you know cranking out selling pilots and yeah. stuff but oh, you yeah. know the the, the the this is the first thing the production company has a has an ongoing credit on so that's Well that's nice. exciting. Yeah.
1: Congratulations
0: on all the uh, new stuff. Thank you. Thank you very much. And it was good talking to you. Yes, uh, the pleasure was mine. All the right, pleasure please. was absolutely mine. That was nice, wasn't it? John Cryer His
1: show Extended Family airs Tuesday nights on NBC. Hang out for a second, will you? Can ya? Would ya? Hey, look, I'm sure you take a lot of vitamins. Maybe you take a daily multivitamin. Maybe you take ones to boost your immunity or ones to help with alertness. What about your cells? Are you giving your cells the full nutrition they need, especially as we age? I am, thanks to Solgar. Solgar is part of my daily routine, thanks to their cellular nutrition line. Give yourself a daily collection of nutrients designed to help fight cellular decline and promote cell health. Visit CellularNutrition.SoulGuard.com to learn more and use promo code Mark Maron, all one word, to get
0: 20% off. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President.
1: Folks, we're proud to have sponsors on this show, and I always make sure the products are the right fit for me and our listeners. But when I learned about Rocket Money, I didn't just think it was a good fit. I didn't even know something like it existed. Because with Rocket Money, you can solve that annoying problem of having paid subscriptions to things that you forgot about or don't use anymore, but didn't cancel. They're just just taking a hit off your bank account every month. Rocket money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending and helps lower your bills with the rocket money app. You can see all your paid subscriptions in one place. So it's easy to cancel the ones you don't use or don't want rocket money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash WTF. That's rocketmoney.com slash WTF. Save your money and save some time while you're doing it at rocketmoney.com slash WTF. This Thursday, we have uh, Bobby Lee. That's right. On Thursday show, Bobby Lee is back. If you have a WTF Plus subscription, you can go all the way back to episode 137 and listen to the first time Bobby was on. So Bobby Lee just got here, yeah. and uh, he walked in, and he said, uh, I said, have you listened to the show? And you said, <laughs> I said, it's got good numbers. You said you heard it's got good numbers. Yeah. So you never listen to the show. Well, it's like, I mean, I've done other podcasts, like I've, I sometimes do Corolla. Uh-huh. I sound like I listened to it. I understand. I'm not. I not it's like, I'm a fan of you. I'm I am like I'm, you. I'm not judging you. I mean, who's got time? Well, I just sometimes, because I don't know, there's a th- relationship that I have with you that I have with no other, <laughs> which, which is, is, it's like, I don't know what it is. It's like, I, I, I adore you, but then, you know, I feel like sometimes you don't like me. What, and what did that look like? Same Is it basically the same thing you're doing now? Or, what do I mean? I mean, what, what joke? See, this is exactly, <laughs> this is exactly why I had a fear to, if I have fears. That's episode 137 with Bobby Lee. You can get all your WTF episodes ad-free when you sign up for WTF+. Just go to the link in the episode description or go to WTFpod.com and click on WTF+. All right, one more, one more slide guitar thing. I I don't think I I get it quite right. I, I have to practice. Hey, good news, though. I have a broken foot, so I'll be practicing, right? I'm spinning it right. I'm spinning it optimistic. and the fond of cat angels everywhere